welcome to season two, episode eleven of Dad's Right, our weekly Sunday episode. And today was just such a crazy Sunday that it, we we can't really get it into. We can't talk. We can't digest it today. So we will leave talking about this Sunday to next week. Good times, bad times, and and in in full disclosure, as you may have guessed, it's not Sunday. It is not Sunday. I have to travel, so within the country, just popping over to Saskatoon for a little bit of work. But we are doing it on Saturday, so we don't know what happens Sunday. But it's probably safe to assume it's a crazy Sunday because every day is crazy in these times. It seems. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's a fair assumption, I think. All right, you want to start? Sure. Uh, oh, uh, sure. Well, voice crack. Yeah. Okay. I got two things. And my I have, my first one is in good times. I don't know if it's a good time. I really just didn't know where to put it. Right. Because I don't know where I land on this story. So a man named Matthew Raymond in New Brunswick in I think 2018 killed four people. I think two of them were police officers. And recently he was found not innocent, but he was found not criminally guilty. Because the defense essentially pleaded, I don't think this is technically the legal term anymore, but colloquially pleaded insanity because they say Matthew Raymond um, suffers from schizophrenia. And when he killed these four people, he thought he was killing demons who were coming to kill him. The Crown argued that he was in a fit mental state when he killed the four people. And their argument for that was the fact that he augmented his uh, uh, weapon so that it could hold more bullets and he like they argued there was some planning put into it and that it was in fact first degree murder but the jury in a very dramatic reveal that led to gasps of shock in the courtroom found him not criminally responsible and he is now going to go to a new brunswick review board or something like that and the review board will decide what his supervision will be and what his rehabilitation will be. Because he wasn't found innocent, it was not criminally responsible, but now he, because of the plea and, and the consequences of that, he has to be supervised, and he needs to go through a rehabilitation to, to try to help him because he has schizophrenia. Now, I don't know if this is good news or bad news. I know that the families of the victims, two of them collapsed once they left the courtroom in tears because they were so devastated by the ruling, but... I mean, if he is, if he does suffer from schizophrenia, like he needs help, and I would say he isn't criminally guilty, but it's hard because it's one of those things like, how do you prove it either way? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, augmenting your weapon does sort of give a element of planning to me. You're going out to kill things. The thing is, I don't know what the argument, I mean, I know the defense was arguing that it was schizophrenia. I don't know what their proof was, but I tend to think that clearly their proof was more convincing than the augmented weapon. Probably. I mean, you have to assume that the the jury of these peers did their job correctly. Yeah. I think the, the important thing here is the public safety going forward. I mean, yeah. there's some amount of punishment for the crimes committed. If he is, in fact, you know, has schizophrenia, 
then well i mean where maybe maybe there should be some sort of inquest and i'm assuming this guy isn't 10 i'm assuming he's an adult so how did he go how did he get that far and not have it diagnosed ever like what how did it get to that point where he goes out and killed these four people without why wasn't he in some sort of treatment before like all these things need to be looked into yeah but but that's all that's all hindsight and that you can't bring the four people back so now i think it's important to make sure it doesn't happen again so whatever becomes of this he needs to be in a situation where he's you hear all the time where there pres- people like you know schizophrenics are pre- prescribed medication but they don't like it so they stop taking it if they stop taking it then you know and it leads to this again how many times can you get off because of schizophrenia? Yeah, well, I mean, that's probably why he now has court-mandated, or he will get court-mandated supervision. Yeah, like which which sounds sure like he's... prison. I mean, what is court-mandated supervision? Somebody is going to live with him? Are there going to be I, a I lot mean, of people putting their hands up for that job when he's killed four people? I imagine I imagine you don't get to... Uh, well, I mean, social workers, you know, they they do volunteer for this kind of thing, and if it's like somebody going in and checking up on him... I imagine that's not a live-in, but I imagine someone's going in and checking up on him, or he has no, to. No, he's going to be in some. He's going to be in some sort of institution. City. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I, uh, yeah. It could be. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I do want to put out there, just because you know we're talking about schizophrenia. There's a large stigma around schizophrenia, and every study done on the subject will tell you that most people with schizophrenia are entirely harmless, and it is only in severe, severe cases that people will hurt somebody else and that's the only time it ever makes the news so that's it so it sounds like schizophrenia is dangerous but most people with schizophrenia are living normal lives and are of no danger or threat to anybody and it has a horrible stigma around it because of stories like this i mean i think there is also just such a stigma around mental illness in general that maybe led to this guy not being treated or or seeking help or diagnosed or something especially for for people who are older like in their 40s, 50s, 60s, mental illness wasn't talked about the same way it is these days. It was a much more hush-hush thing. Yeah, although if it's the extreme cases that turn violent, why why was it missed? Is this guy just a loner, has no family? Like, how was it how was it missed to the point where he goes off and kills four people? Like it, I think there needs yeah. to be a bit of an inquest done to, to try to stop, help diagnose earlier, better, whatever. Just find out what happened. Yeah, and and where where he fell through the cracks, and then you try to seal the cracks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, well, that's what I have for good times, and it's not really a good time. I mean, I guess it's always a good time when the court system does its work. A verdict was churned out. I don't know. I don't have anything for good times. Yeah. <laughs> well, I my good times, and I was thinking as I was writing this, good times is really a matter of perspective. Yeah. Because what? Because these things, the ones that I'm about to talk about, they're very good for me. I find them very enjoyable, but others don't. So, <laughs> first one is the Trump's Trump lawyer Sidney Powell versus Fox personality extraordinaire Tucker Carlson. Tucker called out Powell on his show the other day for not producing any evidence of the Dominion smart whatever the system's called vote swapping he said he was going in with an open mind and you know he believed her and or wanted to believe her but he wanted to see evidence and she didn't produce any according to him 
And so, you know, he was just telling his audience that we tried to get this and there doesn't seem to be any evidence. We talked to other people and they ha- she hasn't given them any evidence either. So there doesn't seem to be any evidence of this. And he said some comment about why are we telling you this? Because it's the truth and that's the most important thing in our last line of defense or something like that. Something very Carlson-esque. But I, it was just funny to me because how, how, like how far out there do you have to be to get Carlson to, to turn against you? You know yeah. what I'm saying? You know, it's a bad situation for Republicans when Tucker Carlson basically comes out and said, listen, we did as biased of a search as we possibly could. (laughs) We essentially said, show us any evidence. I don't even care if it's fake. And they couldn't even produce that. So we're left with no choice but to tell the truth. And I'm sorry. (laughs) So Powell states uh, over and over again that there's communist money coming in through Venezuela, Cuba, and probably China to interfere with this election. Because last election, we, they were blaming Russia, so this time it's they, they, they're picking on someone else. Well, last election, it was the, it was the, it's the Democrats that blame the Russians, the Republicans blame, blame the Venezuelans and the Cubans, and probably China. So the Dominion voting software, apparently, according to them, was created in Venezuela at the direction of Hugo Chavez to ensure he didn't lose any elections. And she said she has an affidavit from a witness and uh, I, I just watching a podcast, Brian Taylor Cohen or something like that. You, you heard of his podcast? No. Uh, he, he's interesting. It's political stuff. It's it's he's all right. So he he read the whole eight page affidavit. He said seven pages of it are about Venezuela, and then he says there's one paragraph about the U.S. election, and that paragraphs. This is from the affidavit from a, a military guy that was in Venezuela, and his this is the whole. Basically, the whole proof that Powell is running this legal action on, the paragraph says, I am alarmed because of what is occurring in plain sight during this 2020 election for the President of the United States. The circumstances and events are eerily reminiscent of what happened with Smartmatic software electronically changing votes in the 2013 presidential election in Venezuela. What happened in the United States was that the vote counting was abruptly stopped in five states using Dominion software. At the time that vote counting was stopped, Donald Trump was significantly ahead in the votes. During the wee hours of the morning, when there was no vote voting occurring and the vote counting reopened was sorry, and the vote count reporting was offline, something significantly changed. When the vote reporting resumed the very next morning, there was a very pronounced change in voting in favor of the opposing candidate, Joe Biden. So that's the paragraph. <laughs> Her whole case is based on an eerie feeling? An eerie similarity? Apparently. There's no there's no evidence. This is her this is her startling revelation. There's no evidence. No evidence. And another <laughs> another amazing revelation from uh, Trump's lawyers, Dewey Screw him and how run by Rudy Giuliani. They they filed a case in Georgia about the Minnesota votes. Now, the short form for Minnesota is MI. So they're claiming in certain areas of Minnesota, there is a disproportionate amount of Biden, Biden votes. Okay, wait, wait. Okay, I have a first question before you get to the rest of it. Why yeah. are they complaining about Minnesota and Georgia? I, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. Sorry, Michigan, Michigan. Did I say Minnesota? It's Michigan. Yeah. But either way, 
the the question stands, I don't know. Probably because they get a, I don't know how they can do that, but probably because they got a judge, they there's more chance of getting a conservative judge. Is I'm guessing why they did it. How yeah, they can do it, I don't know. I have no idea. It makes no sense to me. Why does Georgia get to say what happens in Michigan? Because yeah. if you did that here, if you went to a judge in Ontario to complain about a law or anything that happened in Alberta, the judge would be like, what? I mean, it wouldn't even get to a judge. I guess it's a federal court, maybe. So you can do it in a federal court anywhere because it's a federal election. I guess. That's still... I mean, I, I feel like it's weird that you get to pick which state you get your federal George, your your federal uh, judge from because you're always going to pick one where you think it's going to more benefit you. It should be completely random. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. So all these Michigan suburbs where they said the, the, the vote count didn't make sense... And in the filing, they listed a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of counties from Minnesota, which is why I said Minnesota in the first place. But they're talking about Michigan. <laughs> they listed a bunch of counties from Minnesota, so you know, kind of kind of throws your credibility out the window. I really feel like, with maybe the exception of Rudy Giuliani, most of the people on this team aren't really trying because they know there's nothing they can do to make it win. So they're like, let's just put in the bare minimum effort, get our thousands, tens of thousands of dollars, and then, you know, whatever. Like, there's no way to win this. Yeah. No one's expecting us to win these. It's not like it's going to severely damage our credibility. Yeah. And then actual good news, it looks like there's two possible vaccines on the way. Yeah. I saw a clip of Joe Biden talking about those vaccines, and he got all, like, scientific. He was talking about how one of them's an RNA and one of them enhances the immune system and like the temperature that one of them has to be stored at and it was just so factual and like full of real things he was talking using science and he had a rudimentary understanding of of these vaccines and you could see he's at least looked into it that's refreshing yeah i saw that as well that's that was a good clip that made me happy it's just so bizarre it's like it's like waking up from a dream or something you know (laughs) have vague recollections of what was happening over the last eight hours or the last four (laughs) years but it's quickly hopefully quickly forgotten i hope so god Uh, bad times yeah so you know talking about my good time had something to do with somebody who killed people and my bad time has something to do with somebody who kills people kyle rittenhouse who was the boy in wisconsin during some of the height of some protests shot and killed i believe two black lives matter protesters allegedly while protecting a business so it was in the middle of the street right like we there's video of it yes i don't know where to put our allegedly's to keep us legally safe so i'm just going to throw them around everywhere and just everybody know that there's air quotes around it all but i'm not sure our podcast is going to be brought up in the court of law (laughs) i i don't think so either but i'm nervous because of this story yeah so kyle rittenhouse allegedly killed two people i mean there's a video of him shooting two people so i guess it's not alleged like he did kill them but allegedly he did it criminally because in the u.s there's plenty of ways to legally kill people and one of them was you know he claims he was defending a business he was he's 17 or at least he was at the time of the shooting. It's a whole story. Look into it if you haven't heard about it. It's a mess. He allegedly, you know, killed two people. But anyway, he's been let out in $2 million bail. How does he have $2 million? Well, after he was put in jail, a huge fund, I don't know if it was GoFundMe or something, was created. 
And conservatives have been pouring money into it from across the United States to help him with his defense and, you know, the, the bail and everything. You know, so he has a lot of money. They gave him all this money and it allowed him to get $2 million of bail money, despite the fact that he's been ruled a flight risk. And I think it's ridiculous. And so the reason why I want to be careful with my allegedly is because this guy's swimming in cash. And if there's any chance that he gets word of it, I don't think that a history says, suggests that he's very level-headed. I think he could afford some pretty bomb lawyers, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the way... This is the way the system works, though, right? They set bail. If it was too much of a flight risk, there would be no bail. And then he, he gets bail. He hasn't. It doesn't mean he's going to get off or anything. No, I'm annoyed that he's getting... Like, I'm annoyed that this is turned into a political issue. I mean, two people died, and, and millions of people across the United States are saying, it's okay. It's okay that this 17-year-old shot two people who then died because he was defending property or most of them probably because they were black lives matter protesters and a good portion of people who donated money to this guy said well they deserve to die because they're black lives matter protesters yeah well i mean matthew raymond killed twice as many and and got off essentially without a criminal record the 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 matthew guy yeah killed four people uh, he he's i know but he supposedly has schizophrenia kyle rittenhouse doesn't well, yeah, suppose, has, a, say he does have schizophrenia, but then this has, the United States has laws. Kyle Rittenhouse will go to court based on those laws, and he'll either be found guilty or innocent. If they can prove he was defending a business, and that's a reason that you can shoot two people, I think it's a bad reason. But part of the, I don't live down there. <laughs> but those are those are their laws. I hope he's found guilty. I To some extent, at 17... I think it's some probably bad parenting that gets to someone to that point. You don't also bad laws that allow you to get a big gun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's there's plenty of issues and there's plenty of blame to go around. He's the yeah. one that pulled the trigger and you're right. It has become a political issue. It's not just about the shooting. It's so it's bigger than that. But if he's a flight risk then they should have said no bail. It's a lot of money. Hopefully he goes to trial and we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse's mother got a standing ovation from women at a Wakosha County GOP function in September. So some people think it's wonderful parenting, clearly. <laughs> clearly, yeah. Um, well. But yeah, I, I think there should have been no bail. And a part of me also thinks there should be, I don't know, rules about where you can get your money for bail, especially if your story is so national and has such political overtones. Um, I don't know. I don't think, I mean, I mean GoFundMe's new. But borrowing money for your bail is not new. The, like That's what bail bondsmen do. That's been around forever. Most people don't have the money for bail if it's a relatively serious crime. Yeah, but it's Most, not borrowed money. It's gifted money. Yeah, he's not in the political arena. It's not like that he's going to owe these people favor, Or he's not in a position to grant these people any favors. Unless it's, can you go shoot this person for me? But he's yeah. not, not in the position to grant these people any other favors. So, you know, it's it's not like he can be putting himself in a... He might... I'm sure he'll send thank you cards. But, <laughs> but you know, because that, that's what a good mother would tell him to do. But other than that, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think you can say where the money can, can and can't come from. It's his money. People want to give him money. You can't stop them from doing that. Maybe, if, maybe the real flaw here 
is the fact that there was bail in the first place. Like, there should have just been no bail. Maybe. If he is a flight risk, then they should have said, well, they'll find out. If he doesn't show up for court, then there should have been no bail. Yeah. I mean, the idea is you set the bail so high that they have to come because typically it's borrowed money or or they're just rich and they want the money back, right? Because you need to... That's what bail is. You take my money, that means I will definitely show up because I need my money back. If you don't come back, then the court keeps the money, right? Yeah. So I think, think, you know, they set it high enough to make it so that he wants to come back. Now, maybe because it's not his money, he has less attachment. I didn't have two million before, I didn't have two million now, and he's going to flee to someplace that doesn't have an extradition treaty with the U.S. Maybe. In which case, in which case you can say, yeah, you know what? There shouldn't have been bail. Yeah, who knows? The original bail, the people who are asking, people who are against Rittenhouse, asked for his bail to be set between 4 and 10 million U.S. Yeah, so that's up to the judge, and I mean, maybe, you know, judges are appointed. They have a political leaning, for sure, in the United States, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully he shows up for trial. It, it's something that should be, that should go to court, and then we'll see what happens. Yes, we will. Anyway, that's what I got. Oh, I got a couple. Not too many, but a couple. I was reading today, actually, that the CDC says that most COVID infections are spread by asymptomatic people. Oh, are we back to that again? Yeah, which I makes sense said, to me. Well, I thought we said asymptomatic people weren't really a problem. Uh, they're saying this is why everybody needs to wear a mask. I think if it's pre-symptomatic, that's not a, necessarily a problem. But if you have it... And and you just aren't showing any signs of it, which happens, then that's yeah. a problem. Like if you just got it, but it's not working its magic yet, yeah, maybe you can't spread it. But once you have it, but you're asymptomatic, which is a significant number, then you can spread it. Anyway, not great. Wear a mask. Yeah. Toronto and Peel are back under lockdown. Non-essential businesses will be closed. It's a bit of a mess. I mean, what's essential and what's non-essential is who gets to decide that. You know what I mean? Yeah. What? I would hope that they would have a criteria that they go by, but I doubt they do. I'm not sure. I don't know. But, you know, for example, and not that I'm trying to point anything out, but Costco gets to stay open. I'm glad because I like I get my stuff from there. You know, it makes me happy that they get to stay open. But then, like, a ma and pa shop, you know, that... Now, now it's because they sell food that Costco gets to stay open. But they sell lots of other stuff in there, too. Yeah. Not just food. So, you know, and it's not like they stop you from buying earphones when you're in there to buy food. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how the decisions are made. You know, Walmart sells food, so they get to stay open. But they also sell a bunch of other stuff. But smaller businesses that are not able to have a grocery store as part of their hardware store, you know, bad example because I think hardware stores can stay open, but it can't have food along with other goods and merchandise. They just yeah. have the other stuff. They have to close. It really does uh, favor the, the big businesses, which is too bad and you know, if if anything, they have the they have the cash to to weather the storm, and these small small businesses don't. So I don't know what the answer is. Obviously, you still need to be able to get goods and services that are necessary. It's just not logical the way they're shutting it down. But I understand we need some shutdowns. So I I, I'm, I don't know what the answer is. I don't. It's not a really great criticism because I don't know how to solve it. But the, there's it just doesn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It would be nice if they made public the criteria. 
Yeah, I think it's like hardware. St- what I think it is. I, well, criteria, I don't know, but they tell you what is essential: grocery stores, hardware store, yeah. like things so like. Why are those essential? And why are other things not essential? Like what? Why? What led you to make these decisions? Yeah, yeah, and even then, it it punishes small businesses. Yeah, it does. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, and the other thing is, the small businesses, you know, it's not like if a small business is super super busy. It's not a small business anymore. So it's these small businesses that they're closing down that might get a couple people in a day that you can social distance and stay. It just, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense the way they're doing it. But got to do something. Hopefully it helps flatten the curve. Speaking of, Mexico became the fourth country to pass 100,000 COVID deaths joining the U.S., Brazil, and India on that not happy mark. And... Microplastic waste was discovered near the top of Mount Everest, which is kind of depressing. Yeah, that is depressing. They're saying it's it's the people that it's becoming a, like a pretty well known, like not well known but well well attended tourist site, and people are Mount just, Everest. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. And people are climbing and leaving junk up there. So twenty seven thousand seven hundred feet, they found a bunch of. Those microplastic beads or whatever. We've banned those, right? I believe so. But I don't know if it has. I don't know if the world has. No, no, the world hasn't. But Canada has. More people need to do that. They're really unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. That needs to stop. I I just remembered it as you were talking about the uh, Ontario shutdowns. And it's kind of a, a mixed bag story. But I think overall it's a good thing. BC has imposed its first province-wide mask mandate. They have not had one before because in the first wave, they handled everything pretty well and they didn't need one. I would say it was probably still smart to have one because then you might have handled it even better, but they didn't impose one and they still did pretty well. The second wave, they're struggling more with. That is obviously bad, but it is good that they have finally put in a mask mandate that should save uh, a lot of people um, some suffering and potentially a lot of lives as well. So good on BC. Yeah. Better late than never, I guess, for something like that. Yeah, exactly. Now, I know some businesses had masks mandates already. Like, I have a friend in BC who works at Starbucks, and she had to wear a mask for work, and people had to wear a mask when they came in. But that was uh, the business mandating it, not the province. But now, like, there's no choice, and that's good. There's a can. over the world got a couple quick ones right off the top putin delivering some good news to the world russia is ready to provide other countries with the sputnik 5 coronavirus vaccine oh thank god russia to the rescue i don't know who's gonna be putting their hand up for that not me (laughs) not me i'm gonna pass (laughs) uh daniel verlan I'm assuming it's Verlan. I don't I'm not a Dutch person, but he's a Dutch reporter. And he hacked into an uh, hacking is overstating it, but this is a, this is what the article was called. He hacked into an EU defense ministers meeting. He just like popped up on their screen because it was done over <laughs> Zoom or whatever. And how he was able to do this was uh one of the ministers posted a picture of herself working Uh, in these conferences like over the zoom meeting and she had two pictures and in one of those pictures you could see five of the six digits of the pin so it's just a matter of guessing the other one (laughs) so it's only 10 tries possible i guess more (laughs) if it's a letter but but you know it's still only a keyboard worth of tries 
and he eventually just sort of popped up in their meeting and the guy's like who are you <laughs> he's like do you hear do you know you're in a secret conference call and he's like yeah oh sorry yep thanks bye-bye <laughs> he sort of went off so there there's yet to be determined if there's going to be any sort of criminal charges but kind of funny and the the leader was saying like this shows that you have to be careful with your twitter account yeah no kidding yeah i i don't know if you can i mean if anything he exposed he did a fa- he did them a favor he exposed a serious security risk yeah and uh, i think they should be thanking him because he left right yeah he left yeah so yeah it seems like it's it seems like something they should be huh I guess we got to be a bit more careful with our pins. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what I would be, at least. And one more. Uh, Archaeologists have found the remains of two people who died 2,000 years ago when Mount Vesuvius erupted, so the Pompeii eruption. So this, it, if you haven't seen the picture, look it up. It's quite amazing. It's It looks like uh, statues or something, like two statues are lying down. It looks like they're full bodies. Quite amazing. 2,000 years old. It looks fake, but it's archaeologists, so it's got to be true. Indiana Jones wouldn't lie to us. Yeah, exactly. So, amazing photo, amazing find. Uh, it was apparently a rich person and their slave, but uh, they both were equally dead in the Pompeii eruption. The, <laughs> the end of the day, rich or poor, we all burn the same. Yep. Yeah, anyway, quite the picture. Did you have some all over the world? I have one, and I was tempted to put it in Trump because it's American, but it has nothing to do with Trump. That's never stopped us before, but I put it in here anyway <laughs> for the sake of having something. California's governor, Gavin Newsom, is being criticized recently because he has been one of the... He's a Democrat, and he's a governor who's been very like harsh, being like, you know with COVID-19, stay inside, you know, be safe. He's one of the governors taking it more seriously. He's being called a hypocrite because this week he attended a friend's birthday dinner during a spike in coronavirus cases. And there was many people there and there are pictures and it shows the governor in the company of multiple lobbyists. I don't know why there are lobbyists at his friend's birthday dinner, but the governor in the company of multiple lobbyists. And he has said he said he made a bad mistake and that it was outside and that he was promised to own it and move forward. But even then, there might be more to the story than revealed, because in the pictures of the dinner, it looks like that he is at a restaurant and he is enclosed in at least three sides. So people are saying, was it really outside? Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like, it could have been. I was saying it was outside, but even if. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures right now. There are at least three walls around him. Maybe the fourth one is, like, taken out. It's some sort of fancy... You know, it's California. It's warm. You can be fancy with how many walls you put up. But does it count as outside if you're only missing one wall? Was there a roof? I mean... I don't know. It's hard to tell. Uh, It's hard to tell from the pictures. I don't know. It's it's fishy. It's fishy. It is fishy. If you're good... If you you say you've made the mistake... But... Once you've been caught and you say the ma- you made you admit to the mistake, he, he definitely shouldn't lie about the. You know it's going to be worse if you lie about the second thing. So I suspect it was outside, but we'll see. I'm sure it'll come out. If there's yeah. a lot of people there. Somebody'll somebody'll say something if it wasn't outside. 
Yeah, it does look, it looks like an inside place. And then people are also criticizing the fact that I even went to this thing at the, the time where some people are out of work because it's, I'm looking at this tweet from a senator that said, pop quiz in California, $350 is equal to one week's unemployment check for millions of California workers or the cost of Gavin Newsom's dinner at Napa's French Laundry Restaurant or both of the above. I imagine the answer is both of the above. And so people are saying, should he be going to a $350 dinner when some people are making no more than that a week? Yeah. Uh, listen, his friend's birthday dinner. I don't know. I think I think more of the COVID thing. He should have. He shouldn't have gone. You can't. He can't live his life like based on what other people make in a week. That doesn't make any sense. But because COVID spiking there, yeah, it was it was dumb and a bit surprising. Yeah, well, I I really like Gavin Newsom. So does Mary. Mary has extolted Gavin Newsom on our on our show. Yeah, no, no, bad choice. He made a bad choice. Yeah, and own it. Hopefully, he was outside. If you if you've made a mistake, just own it and see what happens. All right, TNT. You know, I was thinking we won't have many of these TNTs left. We're getting no. to the end of TNT. Which is no, nice. Not, Hopefully. Is. I mean, unless Rudy comes through. Well, he's been so... Everything suggests that he has put together some sort of competent and uh, argument. Yeah. and uh, The crack team. I, I don't know. Well, I'll start with Trudeau. Uh, UK and Canada looks like they have agreed to a rollover deal when Brexit transition ends. So, uh, it's not surprising. We have pretty good ties with Britain. I don't think we were going to leave them hanging. Or them, us hanging. So, I... Not a shock. I, it's not a shock. It's probably good for the economy and generally pro-free trade agreements as long as they have high standards for worker conditions. But a part of me really wanted to leave them out in the cold. Yeah. I really wanted to be like, you did something so stupid and now you need to suffer the consequences to learn your lesson and we're not going to help you. You idiot. Yeah, but I, I imagine, you know, it's not just one. It's not one way, right? They help us as well. So you got you got to yeah, look at the bigger picture. Yeah, and it's probably I'm just bitter because Brexit was stupid and they did a stupid thing and yeah. it made big problems and now I want them to suffer for it. Yeah, but that's their decision. It's their country, so we you know we move on. I don't think it was a fair decision because most of them were lied to. But this is such old news. I don't want to get <laughs> we shouldn't get into Brexit. Yeah. COVID modeling for Canada is not looking good. Projections are the country could see upwards of 60,000 cases a day because Canadians are increasing their current number of contacts. Instead of flattening the curve, nationally daily case counts are increasing significantly and rapid growth is occurring in several provinces because each new case in Canada is spreading the infection to more than one person. So can we... Wear masks and socially distance, please. I know it's boring and we've been doing it for six months, but that's not a reason to stop. Another six months. If you'd like to stop doing it, then you need to actually start doing it. People are like, ooh, vaccines are six months away. I'm going to stop wearing my mask and go, like, what are you doing? It's still six months away, probably. Let's flatten the curve again. We did it once. Okay, we had a little fun in between. Now it's time to take it seriously again. My question, though, is it says Canadians are increasing their current number of contacts. To me, that, that, that line suggests that Canadians are being stupid and choosing to. But how many are increasing their con- current number of contacts because 
we're sending them to school or they have to go back to work. Could be. I don't know. Like, it, does, it doesn't break it down. That could be one of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, and my, my instinct is that is one of the reasons, plus I'm sure plenty of stupid people. It is. Um, I'm sure it's one of the reasons, too, and that it's because of, you know, like the rules we were talking about earlier. They limit the number of kids in a classroom, but then you can have 40 kids on the bus getting to the school. Nonsensical rules. Yeah, yeah. They really, they don't make sense. Yeah, people just, I mean, and I think that will continue to be a problem, but the the one thing that people can solve is just choose to be smarter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's probably, actually, that's got to be half the situation is just people being dumb. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that most of my friends and myself included have chosen to limit the contacts. I've had friends who I've hung out with since coming to Alberta text me and say, I've been talking to my roommates and we're going to more severely limit the people that we're going to see. And so um, we're probably not going to be able to hang out for a while. And I was like, yeah, that's fair. I, I limiting the people I'm seeing too. Yeah. You just kind of have to do that. And it doesn't mean you can't see them at all. I had my friend uh, Holly come over, I say in air quotes, in that she, on, on her way home, she stopped by. She stood on the sidewalk in front of my house. I stood on the porch by my front door and we talked to each other. We were at least 12 feet away. Yeah. And uh, and we had a little 15, 20 minute chat just outside. Probably won't be doing much of that as it gets colder, continually colder here in Alberta. You know, two weeks ago and we could do that. That's that's an option. You can still talk to these people and keep up to them. You can see them in person. You just need to be safe about it. Maybe don't invite them into your house for two, three hours, you know? Yeah. That's all I got for Trudeau. You? I mean, none, I of, got it, a few things none of it was Trudeau again, but over to you. <laughs> I got I got a few things for Trudeau. Some of them are more his government, not him directly, but his government. So I think it's, it's I'm proud of how much they relate to him because it's not normally this much. It's been a while, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that being said, this story starts with the NDP, which recently proposed a motion, two weeks ago proposed a motion, to a non-binding motion calling for the government to create a wealth tax in Canada to help with the pandemic recovery. Because data from the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternative shows that Canada's top billionaires have gained $40 billion during the pandemic. The nation's richest earners, the Thompson family, led the way at around $9 billion as of data collected in September, followed by Shopify founder Toby Lutke, Lutke, L-U-T-K-E, and second, and the Weston family, who own the Loblaws franchise, coming in third. As the NDP essentially said, this isn't fair, people are suffering, and the richest people in the country are making money off of that suffering, like huge amounts of money. And then so they said, we need to tax 1% of these people's income and put that money towards pandemic recovery, helping small businesses, uh, healthcare, pharmacare, and essentially just social programs to help Canadians who are struggling in general, and also especially due to the pandemic. And this is all, uh, that sort of paragraph, and, and a lot of the quotes from the story are from 660 News, which is a, a Calgary news station. Anyway, yeah, so just after the federal NDP attempted to pass a motion in Parliament to impose a wealth tax, also including an excess tax on corporations that have profited during the pandemic. So that's what they did. The motion was defeated two days ago, 292 to 27. The NDP... That's not close. No, the NDP, the Greens, and one independent, who interestingly used to be a liberal, voted for it, but every liberal, every bloc, and every conservative voted against it. 
a recent poll shows that 80% of Canadians support a wealth tax. And, I mean, we all know my leanings, but I also generally think, yeah, it's unfair that the richest people are making money off of the pandemic. And 1% of their income is not going to affect their lives very much, but it could help a lot of suffering people. It's interesting. How much would they have made without the pandemic? I don't know about Thomson Reuters. That probably, do they make more of the pandemic? It probably has more to do with the election in the U.S. and worldwide events. Pandemic news as well, I guess. But I don't know if that's as direct. Obviously, Shopify is directly related to the pandemic. And same with grocery stores. I think you can say that's probably directly related to the pandemic. But did they make more or less because of the pandemic in that time? We'll never know. I guess yeah. you can look at the the sort of six months before and see if, if the profits changed at all. But it, it, this goes back to what we were talking about. It's these big, you know, especially with not Shopify so much, but, but Loblaws, big chain allowed to stay open during this. And, you know, you'd then one of the places where one of the few places it's open for people to shop so yeah yeah they, they might make a bit more money i think i think it's a mistake calling it a wealth tax just just add to the income tax if you want to do that like what you, you have brackets now just put another top bracket in where you charge more it's not it's not hard to do it's it's they yeah, change I that all the see. time you call it a wealth I, tax it's a problem yeah I mean, we have three, I, th- I, th- I think we need, we have three income brackets uh, in the tax system right now. I think we need at least five. There's only three, are you sure? I'm I fairly certain. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, th- I thought there was more than that, but could be. doesn't really matter. It's, it's how much you top the top end. It's how much you tax the top end. And historically, the top end, I mean, if you go back to the days of the, the roaring 20s and that, the tax end got topped a lot, taxed a lot. Yeah, they did. So I think even under uh, Dwight Eisenhower, who in the U.S., who uh, Republicans love Eisenhower, but he taxed the top a lot. And it doesn't mean that um, everything you make gets taxed at that amount. Like that's that's where people, that's where the the left hat does a really poor under a poor job of of communicating. It doesn't mean if I make a million dollars, I have to give them eight hundred thousand. And I get 200000 That's not what it means. If that's, you know what I mean? If a million dollars, that's probably low. But let's just say a million dollars is where you pay 80%, right? Anything over a million. So yeah. so whatever, and then 500000 it's 60%. So if I make 999999, you know, it, but it doesn't even work that way because it's, it's progressive. Your first 30, everybody's first 30 or 35 or 48 or whatever it is now is not taxed. Nobody pays tax on that. From forty-five to from forty-five to whatever, you know, everybody pays the same amount. From whatever that like forty-five to say eighty. From eighty to one hundred and twenty, everybody pays the same amount, and you only pay on that portion, that much on that portion. So if you don't make over a million, or if you just make a million, you won't. You know, only one or two dollars will you pay eighty cents of in tax, not. In not only what you make over a million. If you make a million dollars over a million, yeah, eight hundred thousand of that goes to taxes, and you get two hundred thousand of it. But your first million isn't taxed that high. Yeah, so it's just it's just I find it poorly explained, and I think that hurts the 
sort of acceptance of it. Yeah, I agree. We have 660 News, which, you know, where, where I'm getting most of the story from, talked to Heather McPherson about it. Oh, yeah. Um, they were behind our, us on that interview, catching our up. Favorite, our favorite MP. And she said, we've seen certain individuals and corporations do extremely well under the pandemic and profiting off a moment in time where most Canadian families are deeply, deeply worried about the future of their own household economy. She continued on to say that she accused the Liberal and Conservative parties of pandering to wealthy donors and corporations, saying it's outrageous. Corporations who have made a profit during this pandemic do need to pay their fair share, and not more than that, just their fair share. They have really benefited during this trying time. We haven't seen a single Canadian who used tax havens to hide their wealth to be held account. The Canadian Revenue Agency has picked on everyday Canadians over and over again. When you ask them to look at people who are evading taxes by using tax havens, who are using loopholes in our tax system, nothing is done. She said it's clear that this is a policy that would be widely applauded by Canadians with 80% support. And despite the fact that it was voted down in other parties uh, by other parties in Parliament, she will not be phased. I don't know how long you have to think constituents, but I haven't been in politics that long, she said. So when my constituents tell me what that's what they want, that's what I'm going to be fighting for. It's you stalled in the middle, but I think we got the gist. It's not yeah. surprising. The um, you know, and, and the other thing is, as I was saying, it's been poorly communicated. It won't affect the vast majority of people. So why are they? Why would most people be against it? Like I don't. It's it's very bizarre to me how how that whole thing yeah. works. I think that's why most people are for it. Eighty percent of Canadians, according to most polls. Several polls uh, amalgamated or whatever. 80% of Canadians support a wealth tax. Yeah, I, I, I do think they should change the name. But And listen, yeah. you don't want to... Obviously, you have to be careful not to drive out businesses. We, you need business in the country. But, you know, if these guys are making this much money, a little bit more off the top, I don't think will, uh, will really... It's, it, and it's like I said, it's not from it's not every dollar that gets taxed that high. It's dollars over a certain vol- a certain amount. So I don't think yeah. it's an issue. Yeah. Anyway, so I would say that is a failing on the Trudeau government's part. But there's also a story that I think is one of one of the very, very few good things that we can find that they're doing these days. So Indigenous Services Minister Mark Miller, Minister Mark Miller. He sounds um, Indigenous. That's a very Indigenous name. Mark Miller? Yeah, he's he is a pale-faced, red-headed, looks-like-he's-fresh-off-the-boat-from-Ireland man. But uh, he is the Indigenous Services Minister, and he overruled a senior departmental official over the framing of an investigation into a f- Indigenous group's 25-year-long water crisis. If anybody doesn't know... Most indigenous people living on reserves live in conditions that would be classified by UN standards as third world's country. One of the uh, issues is that most of them don't have access to clean water and they have to boil their water in order to drink it. And in 2015, the Trudeau liberals promised to end all boil water advisories in their first term. They absolutely did not, but they do seem, but I mean, they're doing more than the conservatives did. This is some sort of progress in that direction. Anyway, I don't know what the framing of the, the like something about framing and the reference for the investigation would be finalized soon. I'll just read directly from the CBC article. Anne Scotton, the department's Ontario Regional Director General, informed Chief Chris Munias, I believe it would be pronounced, 
on Thursday afternoon by email that the terms of reference for the investigation would be finalized soon and that a consultant had been chosen to manage the third-party probe. There was a line in the attached document for the chief's signature. That, But that message contradicted a commitment Miller made to Muneas that the terms of the investigation would be co-developed with the chief and counsel. Muneas said that when he got that email, he said, I felt like it was a slap in the face because the office had said, we'll work with you. And then they sent him the terms and was like, just please sign here. But the minister has stepped in and said, no, this isn't what we agreed to. He said, as soon as he got the email, he sent an email to the chief apologizing and reaffirming his commitment to work with the chief and said, you know, we would like your input, your critical input on these initial thoughts, but this is by no means a final thing. You don't need to sign it. And I'm sorry that that this miscommunication happened. And I, I think that was the right thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. I was thought it was going to go the other way. I thought it was yeah. like, I thought he overruled it the other way. So good for him. Way to yeah, go, Mark. I think when I, the, the, <laughs> when I read the, the title for this article, which is Indigenous Services Minister Overrules Senior Bureaucrat on, and there's, a, a, I can't, I, I could not pronounce this word, um, but it's the name of the tribe, I imagine, uh, Water Probe. I read that and I thought, oh, geez. Yeah, no, oh, exactly. God. I, I thought I was going to go the other way, but no, it's a uh, good job. Good job, Mark Miller. You, you did your job. And when it comes to being Indigenous Services Minister, that's honestly a high bar, or at least it's not a bar many people have cleared that have held the post. And so good job. I, 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 I was happy to see that happen. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, good for him. And then lastly, I have a quick story. The Bank of Canada, I, this is, I think, bad news for so many people. The Bank of Canada, starting January 1st, 2021, will no longer accept 1, 2, 25, 500, and $1,000 bills as legal tender. So get your stacks of 25, $500, $1,000 bills and use them while you can. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a $25 bill. Me neither. It is uh, the second rarest bill in Canada following the $500 bill. They were released as commemorative bills in like the 30s and 40s. If you look them up, they're kind of ugly. We used to be really bad at designing banknotes. But yeah, apparently they're still legal tender right now. Well, I've seen, I've seen $500 bills and I've seen $1,000 bills. And I think it's sad that we're losing them. I don't know why, but I have seen them. Uh, not real ones, but, you know, <laughs> reproductions. I had a keychain that had all the bills on it. Not a 25, but, I mean, there isn't that many. Why well, get rid of them? But I, I don't understand those two. But the 25 I get and the one and the two I get. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they don't produce them anymore, so maybe they're not commonly used. Your options, even when it's no longer legal tender, you do have the option to take it to the bank and you can give it to them and the bank will give you that much real money back which is a great deal it's like hey here's nothing and the bank's like great here's five hundred dollars wonderful deal but uh the bank of canada governor suggests he suggests doing that for thousand dollar bills and for one and two dollar bills but he said for the 25 and the 500 he doesn't suggest doing that because if you have it in good condition it's probably worth a lot more than that and in auctions you could for a 500 dollar bill which is the rarest you could get something like $25,000. Yeah. So he said, don't take it to us. We're going to give you a bad deal. <laughs> Sell it on the market. 
So if you have your five, if you have a five hundred dollar bill lying around, sell it. Now condition does matter. That's like twenty five thousand dollars is like a pristine, not written on, not crumpled bill. But even if it is a little crumpled, you could probably get more than five hundred dollars for it. All right, and moving on to Trump. Looks like he's going to be taking sort of a parting shot as he leaves. And he's talking about doing an executive order to end birthright citizenship. Which is kind of, when you think of the U.S., it's if you're born here, you're an American. Right? Like, that's like one of their founding principles. So to get rid of that is shocking to me. I mean, because you don't want, basically they don't want uh, people to get in illegally, have a kid, and have that person be American. They think they should still be illegal and that just it just seems to be so un-american it's it's shocking to me it's just unbelievable yeah but you know i take a i take a pro i take a new approach to trump doing these types of things recently which is it doesn't matter because the longest it's going to be in effect is two months (laughs) well hopefully yeah could you just do one big executive order that says uh, we forget the last four years yeah, we're striking the last four years from existence. It is now 2016 again, and we're going to be four years behind the rest of the world because we actually have to play catch up. Yeah. No, it is. It is. I mean, the United States foundation was, yeah, if you're born here, you're an American. And and they have a, a rich history of extending American citizenship, even people who weren't born there just for like service to America like Lafayette, uh, and it, it does seem very, you know, un-American. That being said, it, most most countries don't have birthright citizenship. No, exactly. And I think that's what makes America, one of the things that made America, America. If you were born here, you're American. Like, that's yeah. what they said. It's, it's now they're just, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's moving away from one of their defining character, uh, characteristics is the wrong word but it's the one i'm gonna use yeah no i agree i mean it's but republicans are hypocrites they'll do anything necessary to push a racist agenda i'm not surprised no not surprised in michigan they were trying to certify the election which means the 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 board needs to certify it so there's two republicans on the canvassing board and they'd previously refused to certify wayne county where overwhelmingly votes for biden and I think if it's an important point to point out that in Wayne County, it is a majority black county containing the city of Detroit, which has a very high uh, black population in America. I think it might be the a major city with the highest percentage of uh, African Americans. Pro- yeah. it, it may be. I, I don't know. But they finally agreed to certify it. And then following that certification, Trump personally called the two of them. And now they want to walk back their certification and say they want to take take back their certification and uncertify those elections because they said they were pressured into it. It seems to me like maybe they were pressured out of it. Yeah. Also, you don't get to do that. You don't. There's no takesies backsies in politics. Yeah, it's uh, like, pretty crazy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. And then, of course, the fundraising fraud that that Trump seems to be going through right now emailing Republicans asking for money to help with the election defense fund, but apparently more than half the amount can go towards paying down his debt from the campaign. And the, and the emails are almost predatory, saying things like final notice. And I mean, that's this is seems to be the reason why he's keeping this up, just to yeah. get a bunch of money. In fact, 
the, you would have to donate $8,000 to the Trump campaign before any of it went to the legal defense. Most of it, before that, all of it is split between the Republican uh, National Fund and uh, Trump paying down his campaign debts. Yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy what they're doing there. And one thing that I've been uh, sort of perversely enjoying is these Giuliani pressers. I mean, the, the latest one, he was, he, I don't know how hot it was up there, but man, oh man, was he, he was sweating, his hair dye was running down his cheeks, he was, well, here, like, what? constantly mopping himself off, quoting my cousin Vinny, I mean, it, they're just, they're brilliant, you couldn't write those if you tried. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing, I, I've seen a few things about the hair dye running down his face, and most hairdressers, hairdressers came together and they had a meeting and they came to a consensus, that if it was hair dye, it was very cheap hair dye, because hair dye doesn't run like that normally. But they think more likely he used mascara to dye his sideburns. Ah. Which doesn't make really of a difference, but I just like the idea of Rudy Giuliani sitting there with a mascara brush, like combing <laughs> through his sideburns, you know? Um, yeah. It's amazing that this man, Rudy Giuliani, was mayor of New York, during 9-11, yeah. became known as America's mayor, and now he's this. You gotta believe it's age eating away at his brain or something. It's, it's incredible. These press conferences are incredible. They truly are. He just spews nonsense and fitting for who he's representing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. He, he, he is really the perfect lawyer for Trump to like match personality-wise and insanity-wise. Yeah. Over to you, Trump. Yeah, my favorite Trump story this week, probably, and the only one that I actually have that has anything to do with Trump, is he retweeted Elections Canada. I saw that. I thought, I, like, I thought Elections Canada shouldn't have posted what they did, though. Well, here's the thing. So there is a conspiracy theory in the U.S. that the Dominion yeah. system that they use to vote... Yeah. Flipped votes. Yeah, flipped votes and rigged votes. And then that conspiracy theory bled to Canada because somehow they always do. And Canadians don't understand that we're not the U.S., you know? Yeah. I don't understand why they don't get that. But anyway, so people, it's bled in here. And people are saying that the Dominion voting machines gave the last election to Justin Trudeau and that it was rigged and that's how he got in. So Elections Canada had to come in and say, we don't use electronic voting machines we don't use dominion we only use paper ballots and they are all hand counted and that's you can do that i mean it's one th it's it's a lot easier obviously to count 40 million votes than it is 400 million votes yeah um but i think it's interesting that they were debunking a conspiracy theory and then trump used that tweet to back his con that same conspiracy theory yeah yeah it's ridiculous I mean, our, in general, our election system is so much better than theirs. But even, like, in countries that have, like, the UK, which uses the same voting system that we do. I was watching an episode uh, of uh, Late Show with Stephen Colbert, uh, and he had John Oliver on, and Stephen Colbert said, because John Oliver voted for the first time, he's like, is it anything like voting in Britain? And John was like, no, it's nothing like voting in Britain. Because in Britain, you don't, like, if anyone in Britain or or Canada, and he said anywhere in the world, anywhere else in the world, if anyone had to wait in line for an hour and a half to vote, and that was considered a short line, there would be public outcry. It would be outrageous. Yeah, it is and insane. It 
It would be. I think the longest now, I haven't voted. I've voted in three elections, two provincial and a federal. I think the longest I had to wait in line was 45 minutes. Yeah, and it's a different ballot too, right? They have a lot more. It takes a lot longer to fill out a ballot in the U.S. And in many states, the ballot, you got to like spend a half hour trying to figure out what the heck your ballot even is. Yeah. Like this circle, this person, like what the heck? Yeah, but also they have they have president, they have state stuff, they have stuff about what laws are going to go through. I mean, you got to it takes longer to vote. It does, but I still think they could shorten their lines. Probably. I I mean, just have more places to vote would be the short answer to that, but yeah. But it is it is ridiculous. Their whole electoral process. I mean, there are people who had to stay in line for like 11 hours. That's absurd. Yeah. You can't voting needs to be accessible. You can't expect somebody who is living paycheck to paycheck to take 11 hours out of their day to vote. No, it's pretty pretty nuts. Yeah, so anyway, it's a mess back there. The Georgia Secretary of State, whose name I can't remember, has certified that Biden won his, his state. He won Georgia. He came out saying that he is a proud Christian conservative, that he's been with Trump since the beginning, and he's obviously disappointed that his candidate didn't win but that he lives by the motto, numbers don't lie, and the votes say Biden won Georgia. Is that the guy that Lindsey Graham called to try to get him to discount some ballots and like almost threaten him? Yes. Yeah. I think this is a pretty appeasing argument. He's essentially saying, yeah, this sucks, but you know what? The votes were counted, Biden won. And he's being torn apart by his own party. He's being destroyed because he's allowing Biden to win. And, I mean, that just goes to show the hypocrisy. He's not even a moderate Republican. Like, he's a hardcore Donald Trump supporter and has been for four years, but that but the Republicans don't even care. That is a brutal party to be in. Yeah. I, I must imagine. Like, you, as soon as you stray from whatever Donald Trump's saying, you get destroyed. So, Biden won Georgia. Uh, Chuck Grassley, who is a senator from Iowa and the president pro tempore of the Senate which makes him, which in the present pro pro tempore is essentially just a ceremonial position. It is the longest serving member from the majority party in the Senate. And they are third in line for the presidency. Vice President, Speaker of the House, President pro tempore of the Senate. So anyway, that's Chuck Grassley. Right now he's third in line for the presidency. He has COVID-19. He is 87 years old. And he's third in line. Yeah. So... You know, good luck. Yeah. But another interesting aspect of the story, Joni Ernst, who was just uh, narrowly reelected to be the junior senator from Iowa, met with Chuck Grassley when she won, because, you know, they're working together. They're from the same party. Not surprising they met. And now Chuck Grassley's been diagnosed with COVID-19, and Joni Ernst said she doesn't feel the need to quarantine. She's not going to quarantine. Not so surprising. Iowa, Iowa might be down two senators shortly. <laughs> Additionally, Don- Donald Trump Jr. has COVID-19. Wow, I didn't hear that. Shocker. Shocker. He'll probably be fine. He's young. I mean, maybe he won't, but he's young. But speaking of people who aren't young, Oklahoma re-elected their Republican senator, Jim Inhofe, who is 86 years old. And they just re-elected him to a six-year term. At the end of his term, he will be 92. And let me rephrase that. At the end of his term, he will probably be dead. That's um, crazy. Why would he even? Why would the Republicans have him running? Some people are thinking he's going to retire midterm, and if you are, then why run again? And if if you're and, and 
And do you think you're going to serve till you're 92? Or is your plan to die in office? Yeah. Like Right at the, at the table, like in the Senate. They're going to have to install one of those stair climber things for him at the Senate. Yeah, they're going to weekend at Bernie's in so that they don't have to go through a re-election. <laughs> Okay, closer to fine. Now, I have my niece's birthday to get to, so we're going to have to run these segments a little bit quickly, but I only have one thing in here anyway. So we've talked about Burmese pythons in the Florida Everglades before, but it still continues to be a problem. So officials are there trying to think outside the box. Eric (laughs) Sutton, who's the director of the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission, is having mercury tests done on the meat of the python to determine how it could be safely eaten. The snake contains very high levels of mercury, 3.5 parts per million, and the EPA says you shouldn't eat anything over 0.46 parts per million. So it's, you know, many, many times what you should be eating. But officials are saying if it's prepared correctly, it can be used in recipes that call for chicken or pork. One one python hunter said, with a stir-fry, you can add fresh ginger, garlic, and vegetables and serve it over rice. Generally, when I pressure cook it for that, I'll add some applesauce, spice, and hot pepper, which gives it a nice flavor. Uh, yuck. You're going to eat yeah. a 20-foot snake from the Florida Everglades that's full of mercury? Big pass. Big pass on that. Now, say... Super Florida. That makes sense in Florida. It does. And uh, those guys that we talked about in October that thought they had a record-setting snake, they did. They caught it. They measured it. 18 feet, 9 inches long, set the record for longest python caught. But, cool. But gross. Not going to order chicken or pork yeah. at a restaurant in Florida anymore because there's a good chance it's snake. Mercury-filled snake. <laughs> python. Oh, my God. Florida's a mess. Florida's a disaster. Top to bottom. Yeah. <laughs> Over to you. This is, I thought this was just kind of a funny story. Fox News showed a map recently when talking about their um, voter fraud, their fraudulent voter fraud, and they were talking about Michigan and Wisconsin, and they showed a map, and they had the Michigan Peninsula, so the part of Michigan that's connected to Wisconsin, that that little upward whatever, the kind of disconnected part, the Michigan Peninsula. They had it faded out. They had the rest of the map like highlighted for the states they're talking about. That had that part faded out and labeled as Canada. <laughs> so we annexed the Michigan Peninsula, guys. Good job. Didn't, didn't even notice. They're so busy talking about their voter fraud. They didn't even notice. It's part of Ontario now. That's it's, where it's. It's uh, pretty heavily Republican up there, though, I think. <laughs> well, they can have it back then. I take back the celebration. <laughs> but yeah, that's like Fox News. If it wasn't a major news network, and if people didn't take it seriously, it would be a comedy network. I mean, they do crap like this all the time. Hilarious, yeah. <laughs> and now, the end is near. All right, parting thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, I, it's okay. I recently started watching a TV show called His Dark Materials, which is based off of the same book that the movie The Golden Compass was based off of. Yeah. I don't actually know what the book is called. It might be called as Dark Materials. Who knows? Anyway, I like it a lot, but I have some problems. I, I'm invested in it. I, it's a fantastic world building. It's a really nice looking show. The graphics are really cool. The costumes are cool. 
The atmosphere is awesome. I'm very invested in the story, and it's good storytelling. I do have a problem, though, because the main actress who plays the protagonist is bad at acting. (laughs) (laughs) And it's... So at the best of times, I'm okay. It's not good, but I'm, like, sitting there and I can bear through it. But there are some times where I'm like, this is insufferable. I am, it's hurting me to watch this. Really, you should take that as good news because this is what you hope to do for a living and if she can get a job, surely you can get a job. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that is a good way to look at it, yes. But it, it is, does make it a little bit painful to watch at some points, which like makes me not want to watch the show. But I really like the show and a lot of the other actors who are playing secondary characters are doing a fantastic job. Like, really good job. And Lin-Manuel Miranda from Hamilton is randomly in it, playing a character. But then also, the actress who plays the main antagonist is slightly better, but not much better. She also has some really rough scenes. And I'm like, I'm going to watch the show. I enjoy watching the show, but I struggle sometimes. I I do. Bad acting drives me crazy. Well, good for you. It's good for you. That's all you got to keep thinking. Yeah. I mean, I, I have all hope once um, Shailene Woodley still gets job, and I think she's the worst thing that ever happened to acting. <laughs> so I think I'll be fine. Well, I have no parting thoughts other than to say happy birthday to my niece Emily, just uh, 14 this year. So we will be going over there now. I'm already late, so I got to go. We'll talk at you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.